Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome in, everybody, to the Pro Football Show for this Friday, February 7th. Much to get to today. So we're in full off-season mode, just starting. Going to get the fallouts, answer your questions. Got a lot of questions, many of them that came on Twitter, that we're going to get to pretty early in the show. Um, so we appreciate those. A reminder that if you've got a question, go to LandryFootball.com, hit Contact Chris, and send me a question and tell me, uh, where you'd like me to answer it. Uh, what are the options? Well, folks, we've got a college football show every day, Monday through Friday. As you know by now, we cover college football on the national level, part of Landry Football's conference call, and that's how you can sign up. Go to Landry Football's conference call. Go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast for Landry Football's conference call. And the way we do it is we cover college football every day, the latest news, notes, evaluations around the country, regardless, east, west, north, south, anywhere in between. And then we get into kind of the second stage of the show, and we focus on even more details, news, notes, and analysis from a particular conference every day. So SEC Monday, ACC Tuesday, Big Ten Wednesday, Big 12 Thursday, Pac-12 Friday. And uh, so we've got that covered for you each and every day. We've got our pro football podcast every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So we're excited about that, trying to settle in. Lots of news and notes, lots of things going on, lots of evaluations. So much going on, it's kind of hard to wrap my head around it. But just to give you an idea, we've got the XFL starting this weekend. And, yes, I will be – time-permitting watching tape, and certainly going to be providing some news, notes, and analysis on LandryFootball.com about the players, particularly the ones that could end up in camps and perhaps an NFL squad. So we're going to have that. Um, Also working on free agent scouting reports, free agent boards, Every player in the league graded from this past year by position, by team, uh, 
Team needs all the NFL information in detail, just like it's done in an NFL pro personnel department, because that's what I do for teams, and we're giving you a little bit of a peek inside that. Also, as it relates to the draft, obviously scouting reports on all the draft prospects, draft boards, we got it all covered for you at LandryFootball.com, and we got it covered for you for the best price we've ever had, our scouting season sale. Just go there. It's just $4.99 a month if you sign up for the entire year, and that will get you. Everything, including on the college side, recruiting evaluations, roster evaluations on the college level, pro level, the draft, recruiting for 2021, you name it. 2022, we got it covered for you. As well as everything through the draft, all the way through next football season, all the way through next Super Bowl. So you can't do better than that. So take advantage of that today. This podcast brought to you by... 401k generation, Eddie Rojas and his great team of financial professionals brings you this podcast, and they bring you the best financial advice that you could possibly hope to get. Maybe you have somebody that you use. Just get a second opinion. Maybe you don't have somebody. You just want to see if it's the right fit. Give them a call. Give them a text. Have a conversation with them. Tell them that we sent you. And see where it goes. No commitment. Can only benefit from that. So check it out today. Um, They're licensed in all 50 states. So they can help you regardless of where you're listening to this show. So check them out today. Any questions on money management, investment inquiries, 401Ks, IRAs, I mean, roll everything you need. Where do you want to be invested? You can call or text them today at one 866 998-5879. Reminder that if you're a business owner or you are looking for something to promote, we can help you do that. We're heard all around the country, even internationally. So it's an opportunity to learn more and more about your business by putting it out there, branding. We can help you do that. So go to LandryFootball.com, hit contact Chris, and TJ will get in touch with you. So check uh, that out today, and uh, we'll be uh, seeing if it's a right fit for you and for us. We definitely can help you do that. All right, so the latest news and notes around the league, um, there's going to be a lot of discussion and talk about Patrick Mahomes and his contract. I I do think this stuff kind of happens a little bit organically, but I do think there'll be some talk about trying to lock him into a deal. Look, it makes the most sense to to start working on that deal. I don't think it makes a lot of sense to come out and start putting parameters of timetables and this or that. This is a keeper. This is not Dak Prescott where you're trying to get – you know you're going to be paying – the best quarterback in the league, the highest paid money. This is something that will be worked on a little bit this offseason. I don't know if a deal will be consummated. But it's not a lock for 2020, but something that I think they'd like to make progress. They've got Chris Jones as a free agent. 
Uh, Travis Kelty's outplayed his market. Sammy Watkins has got a large cap number that they've got to figure out. So we'll see how this plays out. But it's going to be a busy season in trying to figure out where this is going to go. Um, Dak Prescott is going to be a little bit more complicated as to where that might end up. Probably in the franchise tag. Some other news. The Panthers have re-signed kicker Joey Sly to a one-year contract. Big leg, um, very effective on his kickoffs. The Ravens have re-signed Andre Smith to a one-year contract. He was signed by the Ravens just before their playoff loss to the Titans. He was inactive for the game. 33 years old, now joined the 90-man offseason roster. Played 254 snaps for the Bengals this past season before getting cut around Thanksgiving time. Le'Veon Bell has told folks that he and head coach Adam Gase, good. Some discussions about whether, listen, Adam Gase wanted to put the resources maybe elsewhere. Uh, I don't think anything's uh, decided definitely, but it looks like the contract is going to mean that they're probably going to be together going forward this year. Eric Weddle, really good player for a long time. Chargers defense in 07 to 15. He announced his retirement, 13 years in the league. He was a first or second team all pro from 10 to 14. He's a really good player for a long time. He was effective in Baltimore in 16 to 18. Uh, didn't have a really good year with the Rams this past year. Playmaker, good tackler. 35 years old, missed only seven games. Uh, congrats to him. Um, we've got some news, uh, obviously, that we're keeping up in the Saints coaching staff, as well as some other staffs around the NFL, as LSU is continuing to pursue an NFL angle for a young pass game coordinated wide receiver coach, titled to be determined, depending upon the experience, the meeting between LSU and Shane Waldron did not go very well as Shane Waldron was not going to leave the Rams for a deal that didn't include some sort of a title. I I do know that Pete Carmichael and Joe Lombardi are folks that LSU is interested in, but probably they're too a little bit established to take uh, a role, a lesser role. Keep an eye out for some combination of maybe a younger guy with less of a title in the NFL with a background that they're researching. Certainly been involved in helping them with some of that. We'll see how they're able to get it done. I think George Munez, who correctly took a job at Baylor as a receiver coach, um, I personally think he'd be a good fit and would be the closest thing to some maintaining some consistency as he was part of that staff and work closely with Joe Brady. We'll see how that plays out and keep you up to date on all of that over at LandryFootball.com in our notebooks. Um, We're going to get into some draft talking just a little bit about some underrated players, but I want to talk about some other information. Um, It uh, does appear that Ron Rivera has made some progress at least, and perhaps with a new trainer, um, that he wants Trent Williams – back, has an interest in bringing him back. And now that Bruce Allen is gone, we'll see if that will play out. But but it's definitely something 
that is in their plans to bring him back. There's a lot of discussion about the status of Todd Gurley with the Rams. Um, everything's on the table. They've got to sit down with them. Um, there's a lot of potential. I mean, $25.5 million plus in dead money if they were to move on from him. A trade is going to be tough. He's due a $7.5 million roster bonus in March. So they've kind of leveraged their roster. The Rams have, you know, they, they to me, were not real smart, and they had a nice little run last year, and they kind of set themselves back. They have no way to really repair themselves. They don't have much cap room maneuverability. They don't have many draft picks, and they've got a tough decision on their hands with Gurley. Trading them is not impossible, but it's going to be a big hit for them short term. Cutting, again, would be very, very costly. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. I know the 49ers want to keep Eric Armstead. We no doubt understand that that team is built around their defensive line. Eric Armstead's a big part of it. He's a, an impending free agent. I think they would be willing to tag the 26-year-old if they can't get a long-term deal. He's been uh, outstanding. Some coaching in front office news. Um, I don't think I've mentioned it, but wanted to give a shout-out. Uh, I'm glad that Kevin Colbert's coming back with the Steelers. Kevin Colbert's one of the more unsung Giants and personnel and have been for a long time in this league. Quiet, understated, does a really good job. You know, the Steelers are the team that no one's talking about. If you were to ask me, certainly Kansas City's got a lot of moves to make, but the Steelers with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger and a defense that's getting better and better, we know there's the Baltimore team that had the best record in the league. So we kind of forget the Steelers. I think the Steelers are going to be big-time players next year. So, and certainly having Kevin in the fold is really good. The Browns have, the Browns have hired Joe Wood, speaking of the FC North, as their defensive coordinator. Um, it looked like it was coming for a while when we, we mentioned that, oh, gosh, about three or four days ago. Well, actually, Monday would be three or four days ago now, um, that he was going to be the new defense coordinator. He was on the Niners staff as their pass game coordinator, defensive pass game coordinator. Um, So this is just official what we made and discussed on Monday. The Eagles have hired ex-Bronco offensive coordinator Rich Scangarello as their senior offensive assistant. Doug Peterson's gone without an offensive coordinator. Doug's a really good play caller. Scangarello could be – you know, he's an ex-Kyle Shanahan assistant, uh, one-year play-calling experience, but he's going to be involved in helping organize the meetings and obviously doing um, different work to help the staff. Listen, Doug is doing what Doug does best, and that's calling plays, but obviously you have a lot of help with formulating the game plans in the course of the week. Just like the Eagles will not have an offensive coordinator in name, the Titans will not have a defensive coordinator in name for this 2020 season. But they have added former Saints head coach and longtime defensive coordinator, successful defensive coordinator in this league, Jim Haslett. 
He's going to be coaching inside backers, and his impact is going to be felt very positively with Mike Vrabel's staff. So he'll be the top defensive lieutenant there. Um, you know, we'll see. Shane Bowen is going to be involved. So we're seeing more and more. Um, you know, Dean Peace is gone. So we're seeing, seeing more and more a collaborative effort. If you can find the right personalities, you know, a lot of this is not known about staffs. People go with titles because that's all they know from the outside looking in. But on the inside, very often, people that have just as much or even more impact are people that don't have titles. So, like, for example, without, you know, um, without the benefit of titles, typically how this will work, say on the offensive staff. Well, the offensive line coach, the tight end coach, they're going to be responsible for breaking down the upcoming opponent's defensive front. And they're basically going to be coordinating the run game. And the quarterback coach, the receiver coach, they're going to be studying the coverages and preparing the majority of the passing game for the week in terms of the game plan. Then you have a coordinator that will obviously be involved. And if you've got a head coach who's a play caller coordinator, they become involved in kind of putting it together and adding their two cents. And how much they'll add, sometimes it's two cents, sometimes it's a lot more than that. Sometimes it's just two cents into the mix. Those things are probably not understood as much, but we're, I think it's getting a little bit more noticed because we're hearing certain tame terms like co-offensive coordinator, co-defensive coordinator, pass game coordinator, run game coordinator. Those things are titles that just, I think, more clearly define a certain role and usually gives them a little bit more money. But quite frankly, what they do is not much different than what they do in other scenarios where you don't have the titles but you're still doing similar type things in terms of preparation and involvement with the overall staff. The Eagles have hired Aaron Moorhead as wide receiver coach. Um, so that is the latest news and notes from the coaching end of it. I want to get into some – excuse me, players that I think are underrated prospects in a second. But I want to jump off to answer some questions here. Um, boy, it came on Twitter, and I apologize. Don't have the names of who it is, but hopefully you're listening. Um, how much does a team's potential to develop play – how much does a team's potential to develop – play a role versus on-field physical ability. This is in evaluating players. Examples include Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, just guys that clearly thought of being on one end of the spectrum or the other. Well, um, first of all, here's what scouting is. It's about how a player's physical and intangible qualities translate to the next level, high school to college, college to the NFL. Everybody focuses on the result. The result is really not what's important. What's important is what creates the result. You can have numbers. You can have passing yards, running yards, um, sacks, and uh, you can have all those things. 
Those are great. Those are important. Those are studied. Those are evaluated. Those show up on film. But remember, when you're studying film and you're watching in person, you're evaluating what a person does relative to who they're doing it against. You are, so which is why when you're looking at a pro player and evaluating them for your pro team, or you're evaluating a college player, and maybe in a transfer portal situation, you're evaluating them for your college team, it's apples to apples comparison. You're basically playing on the same level, unless you're evaluating a kid from, say, a Mac school and he's going to go to the Big Ten. It's a bigger jump. NFL to NFL is you see them play, you know how they already do in the league. In a scouting pure scouting situation, you're projecting how they're going to do under the next level. So it's the production, it's about what creates the production. And so how much of that is transferable to the next step? That's the genius of coaching. Now, you're bringing up something that's important. That development of a player goes hand-in-hand with the evaluation. Your evaluating process has to be directly connected to what type of scheme you run, how do you coach it. You don't bring a small corner to Bill Belichick. He doesn't want it. He doesn't like it. Not going to use it. I don't care how good he is. You have to understand the profile that's set and what your coaches want. And you have to fit that. In other words, you can't go onto a car lot and try to sell somebody who wants an SUV or a minivan because they're a soccer mom and they've got four kids. You can't go sell them the sports car or the pickup. It doesn't fit what they want. You may have the best deal possible on a pickup. It doesn't fit what they want. So you have to be understanding of what you want. And to some degree, you're handcuffed as a personnel guy by what your coaches want, which is why there needs to be, in my opinion, a heavy football element in the top of your organization that can say, let's make sure that we are in unison about how we're viewing players, the type of players. Not just, I like this guy, I like that. It's understanding what you're looking for. So, you bring up Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes. Well, Pat Mahomes had tremendous big playability, came from a little bit of an unstructured form of an air-raided Texas Tech, gunslinger type, somebody that, for some coaches, would be more than a handful to work with, Andy Reid, personality, low-key, teacher, embracing of ideas, eclectic view of offenses, perfect fit. Um, Greg Roman, embracing the mobility of a quarterback, did it with Kaepernick, doing it with Lamar Jackson. We're going to make you play him as a runner and then that's going to make him a better passer because it's going to be easier throws. So it is very important 
not just the development, but the utilization, the embracing of how flexible are you to change what you do. Good coaching is about taking the players and fitting your scheme around the quality of the players. That is true. But it's not as simple cut and dried or black and white. It's the degree of what you're capable of embracing and understanding. For example, you know, I get this a lot. Well, so-and-so just hired so-and-so, and and they're going to bring this scheme. That doesn't work. That never works. That's not what it's all about. You don't hire somebody for their scheme. You hire somebody for their ability to understand and to think in varied schematic ways. So, yes, they will perhaps bring from where they are coming from their scheme. But football is a constantly evolving process. Your scheme, regardless how good it is, will be adjusted to on the other side of the ball. So you are looking for a coach that doesn't learn a scheme and brings it over and that's what he knows. That guy's not going to be successful for very long. The guy that's going to be successful is the guy that will maybe bring a scheme and ideas and then as people adjust to his scheme, he has an ability to evolve and think. You don't want to bring somebody fish. You want to teach them how to fish so they can feed themselves. You want the coach that can think out of the box. Andy Reid's one of the best. Greg Roman, completely different, but very good in his own right. So those things are really important. And so coaching is a big part of developing. And therefore, there's differences that exist, and therefore – the finished product is a big factor. Uh, Jeremy asks, um, what is the one intangible you look for in players that make the biggest difference in performance on Saturdays and Sundays? Personal character, football character, toughness, competitiveness. That's the, there are other things, too. Those are the top four. Personal character, football character, toughness, competitiveness, in production, instincts and intelligence, strength and explosion, quabs, which is quickness, agility, and balance, playing speed, size, durability, and body build. Um, but you, I went into some tangibles. The intangibles, personal character, football character, toughness, competitiveness. Those are the four. Those are the biggest things. Personal characters, citizenship, discipline issues, stability of personality. Is he a con man? Is he dependable? You know, does he say the things but he doesn't do? Does he talk the talk but not walk the walk? Is he responsible? Is he honest? Is he trustworthy? Is he a phony? Is he self-centered? Personal character. Football character. Is he a team player? Is he unselfish? Does he play with pride? Is he coachable? Is he a leader? Does he have good work ethic? Is he a self-starter? Is football a high priority? Does he talk the talk or walk the walk type? Is he a finger pointer? An excuse maker? Or is he a fall-on-the-sword type? Is he a locker room lawyer or a locker room leader? Really important. Toughness. Mentally tough. Plays hurt. Finisher with a nasty temperament. Or is he a fringe player? Is he a quick healer or a slow healer? You guy you want in a foxhole type personality? Or does he have situational toughness? Is he intimidating or intimidated? 
competitiveness. Plays hard all the time, even in a losing effort. Is he aggressive, hard-nosed, intense, or looking for the easiest path? Can he raise the level of his teammates' play, or does he pick his spots? Does he rise to meet the challenge, or to play to the level of competition? Does he wins a lot through second effort or in physical gifts? Will he compete, or does he have to win on the initial move? See, some guys are really productive because they're just that much more talented physically at the level that they are. But when they go up to the next level, you don't necessarily win on natural talent alone. So are you willing to fight? Are you willing to work? Are you willing to get dirty? Are you willing to do the extra things? Those are the things, Jeremy. Football character, personal character, toughness, competitiveness. That's the intangibles that I spend a lot of time on. And that will ultimately determine when a guy does not make it, when a guy doesn't make the jump from high school to college or college to the NFL, the football, the easy part of it, the football part, the physical potential, that part's pretty easy. It is more often than not, I mean 95% of the time, it's one of those areas. Not that he's necessarily weak. He just may not be as strong as he needs to be in one of those areas. It's the biggest factor. Let's see here. Um, let's see, looks like. Jeremy, same Jeremy, ask about, um, let me, he says, let me want to reflect the fact that you scouted for my Titans. I guess Jeremy's a Titan fan. Uh, when you scouted Steve McNair and Eddie George, what, stout, what stood out to you about both of those greats? Well, um, true story, I was the guy that really was responsible for Eddie George. Um, my, you know, Jeff Fisher, Floyd Reese had more interest in, well, they had interest in Lawrence Phillips, liked him more. Um, Jeff Fisher did as a running back. Floyd Reese was more intrigued by Terry Glenn, Ricky Dudley, the tight end on Ohio State squad. Uh, they had to be sold on Eddie George. Uh, they didn't think Eddie George was tough enough or physical enough. Well, you know, they hadn't scouted him. They looked at him, but they didn't study him like I did. And the way I was able to flip that in the draft room was, you know, I went in and I had studied all the tape. So I went in and took every play that he made. Because the comment was made to me, I don't see this guy run over anybody. Well, I knew that he did. And I just knew that they hadn't done their homework. And so we got done with our meetings one day. I went in and um, I cut up the tape of every play that showed him running over player after player after player. And when we got in the next morning before we started, I said, we need to look at this, put the tape on, about 45, 50 plays. I think 20 plays into it, shut it off. Point was making made. He was our guy ever since. Um, 
what stood out to me was about the fact that we were going to go into a one-back offense and we needed a feature back. We drafted Rodney Thomas, by the way, that same year. A little bit more of a speed guy. We needed depth, but we needed a feature back, a guy that we as we were going to, uh, you know, build the offense around the running game. We needed a feature back, and he was a guy that could be a feature back, tote the rock, get better and better as the game goes along, wear down defenses. That's what you know, stood out to me with him. With Steve McNair, it was with toughness. Now, i got to tell you, scouted Steve. Steve came from an offense which he had no concept of coverages, setting protections, couldn't even take the center snap exchange. Everything was from the shotgun, and their offense was shotgun, throw it every down, Pass rush came from the left, he rolled, he rolled to the right. Pass rush came to the right, he rolled to the left. They had three routes, he waited for guys to get open, and he gunned it in. That was his offense. That was the Alcorn State's offense. So he had no understanding of how to put a lot of concepts together because he's never done it. The ability to throw it was fine. I didn't think he was a great passer. I think he was a good one. He put up tremendous numbers, but he was a good passer. Where I really grew to like Steve was getting to know him and to know how tough he was. He was a leader. He had quiet leadership, toughness, and I knew he was a guy you can go to war with. I knew when he drafted him, he was never going to be great, but he was always going to be good. And he was always going to be a leader. He could run it when he needed to, and he could play through injuries, and he could throw it effectively, hurt, injured. So I would have to say toughness and physicality with both of them. Chris asks, what's the one avoidable mistake uh, that I see teams making when scouting? Well, scouting and drafting, they go hand in hand, but they're different. The the problem that people have in scouting, I think that today there's not enough people that come through the business from a coaching end that really understand the game. They are a little bit more from a you learn how to look at guys athletically, you get background information, and sometimes the information is not as good because the contacts are not as good. And what you see is more about looking for traits that are not the transferable skills that are necessary to be successful. So, for example... When you've got somebody that's looking at productivity in college, they see certain things. They look at certain trends. You can't get tied up in trends or scouting the helmet. You've got to scout the player, and you've got to see what are the transferable skills. You have to have a good set of critical factors. What are you looking for at each position? 
That's critical. That's why they're called critical factors. So I think there's a lot of mistakes in misevaluations because, A, they don't have the right information about a player's coachability. They don't have enough understanding of the coaching and technical side of whether they're doing it right and what is their ability to learn how to do it right. So what is their ability to get better as it goes along? So I think that is a fundamental mistake in evaluating. The fundamental mistake in drafting is the fact that there's the constant change philosophically inside of an organization. Constant changes among coaches. So if you go about drafting players, you draft players that maybe fit a certain way, and then you change a coach in two years because you don't win enough game, the media's on your ass, and all of a sudden you're getting somebody else, and the players that you just spent two years, three years drafting no longer are the ideal fits. Now you got cap problem problems, you got, you know, and it's it's you're constantly ripping the house to the studs and starting over, so you never get to move into the house. The biggest drafting mistake is people draft for need. People go in and because they may like a player, they don't really understand how good the player is or isn't, and they falsely move them up the board because there's a need. Well, guess what? You just drafted a player of need. He might have gotten you just a little bit better, but you passed on a much better player at another position. And you know what? Needs are everywhere. You think today that your biggest need is linebacker and that you're set at offensive line. But you know what? You're not. You're an injury away. You're one off season away from, you know what? One of these offensive linemen we're not going to be able to keep. If you pass on the better player, you're going to end up getting a lesser and lesser of a roster by slight increments. And before you know it, your roster will regress. So here's what you have to do. You have to plug needs as best you can in free agency. And then you grade every player in the gra- in the draft according to a standard. So regardless of need, how good are they and what are their grades? And the grades put them into a certain plateau within your draft board. And if you've got multiple players in the same grade plateau, you can take any player and go at the position of need because all you got eight players – in the same grade plateau, take the position of need because, by definition, they're all graded equally. But don't go to a different level below at a lesser player because you haven't made your team better. You've weakened it because you let a better player on the board go to another team. You're taking a lesser player to be a short-term need that you're going to realize doesn't really upgrade you so much to begin with. Now you got two needs on one move. So drafting for need misappropriating the proper critical factors in evaluating a player, and constant philosophical changes, which makes your previous work done in previous years irrelevant. Those are the things. Um, Got another one. Don't have a name here. Um, 
What do you look for? To, what do you look to see the difference between a Blair Thomas from an Emmett Smith? The difference between a decent player and a truly special one? Well, first of all, you have a guy like a Blair Thomas that had injuries. So, and we're in a different era, particularly knees. The greatest invention in modern day football is the arthroscopic surgery. Guy had knee surgery back a long time ago. You cut through the muscle and tendons, and it's a two year recovery. Now, arthroscope can make the rehab better. Players that are labeled sometimes as busts are never the same after certain injuries. Body doesn't heal the same way for every player with the same injury. Um, Emmett Thomas was special. He played through injuries, but he didn't have the severe ones like maybe some of the others. Emmett was a little bit more gifted getting to and through the hole. He had tremendous ability to skate and burst through a hole. He didn't have great long speed, but he had great initial speed to and through the hole. He was more explosive to and through the hole. But Blair Thomas would have been a much better player with better help. But the way you look at it, again, is you're not looking at numbers. You're looking at the skill set. So when you're looking at a running back, you want to see what a guy does. You want to see his start, his instincts, his inside running. But you're looking at different qualities that transfer. And Emmett just had a little bit better ability to and through the hole. Blair Thomas had a little bit more natural. Blair Thomas would have had a much better career if he had a little bit better breaks. The other thing is Emmett was on a better team. Emmett was on a good offensive line, good quarterback, weapons. A lot of times, look, we know Barry Sanders is special. He's on a bad team. But he won. Most of these guys, their success is noticed more and is more impactful when they're on the better team. So that's that's all of that factors into it. Um, let's see here. Also, same guy, I think, but I don't know. I don't have a question. What are your biggest finds as a scout? Are a guy you had rated higher than others? That panned out, and what was your biggest bust? Well, gosh, I, there's a whole bunch of them, man. Um, it's off the top of my head. Um, Blaine Bishop, I had a good grade on. We got him in the eighth round, but I had him graded a lot higher. You know, again, because you draft the guy in the eighth round doesn't mean you got an eighth-round grade. I had a third-round grade on him. He was a boundary corner at Ball State. It was a really good, strong safety in our 46 defense. Um Gave a decent grade on Antonio Gates just on athletic ability. Richard Dent liked him a lot. Last year was eight round he went. Shannon Sharp from Savannah State. Um, had a pretty good grade on Darren Sproles. I think he went fourth round. Uh, I'm trying to go by position. Oh, Marquise Colston. Really loved him out at Hofstra, but he played tight end. And he wasn't utilized as much, but when you worked him out, you knew what type of hands he had. And... He was a guy that was tough to press, and he had great hands. So he was a free agent, but he had more ability and drafted him. Uh, Owen Daniels, Jari Evans um, had a a good grade on him, small school player, fourth round. Geno Atkins really liked him a lot. Geno was the best defensive tackle for three or four years straight in terms of grades, fourth-round pick. Had a good grade on Elvis Dumerville coming out of Louisville. Robert Mathis liked a lot, South Carolina State. 
Ike Taylor was very under. I mean, those are just some guys. There's, there are others, but those are guys that I had really good grades on uh, that maybe weren't rated as high by most people. Um, guys that uh, didn't pan out. Well, I had a higher grade on Courtney Brown. He didn't play as well. Uh, I thought Rick Meyer would be better. I thought Steve Entman and uh, Quentin Coriat in the same draft would be good impact defensive players. Neither one of those panned out. Those are some just some guys that come off the top of my head. Um, think about it a little bit more. I'm sure it could come with a whole bunch of more names on either side. Um, Kevin asks about the XFL. Uh, the double forward pass move, the X. FL will allow two forward passes if the first pass is caught behind the line of scrimmage. Practically speaking, how big of a difference is this? Even if this was legal in the NFL game, wouldn't the sheer speed of the game be prohibitive of this type of play? Well, no. Um, it's intriguing. I'm not, you know, double passes are interesting. It certainly opens up the game. Um, it creates more big play opportunities. That's the reason. Um you know, yeah, you got more speed on defense, but um, you know, I'm not saying I'm I'm crazy about it, but I'm open to seeing it. I'm curious to see with some of these rules, and this is one of them, how it may play out in the XFL. The XFL will have a dedicated ball spotting official. How big of a deal is this compared to the seven man system with no single official responsible um, spotting the ball? Not really something I paid much attention to. Um, well, I think it's good. I think it's help. I, I we don't know though. See, I still think that if you're fully responsible for the spot, you're going to be in the best position to look at that. But sometimes in the traffic of a play, you don't have the best angle. So I do think it needs, still needs to be a collaborative effort. But, you know, I, mean, I think you need to listen. If, if, if you need help, if you get blocked by something, and I mean visually blocked by somebody, you, you, you may have a hard time with that. But I do like the concept and the idea to help with the spot. Um, he says uh, about the booth official, I've been a proponent of that. And he says that dream come true for you. Perhaps the NFL can use the XFL as a guinea pig to see if this improves officiating. Well, here's the thing. I, I think you can review the play. I think the whole key is y y you can review it, but you got to review it quickly. And you got to – go through some of the – I mean, you can't stop every play to look at it. You have to do it in real time. So, look, I'm all for it. I'm all for going through the process so that we could make it better. So, yes, I'm looking to see it. But here's the thing. I guess what I'm saying is if it's a little clumsy, you don't stop doing it. You continue to work at it because I think it's the way we need to go. And the whole issue is going to be about – reviewing it quickly and communicating it quickly in real time, that's going to be the key. Uh, punting, he asked about, can you explain the significance of these two punting rules? The punting team cannot release past the line of scrimmage until the ball is kicked. Well, that is to increase punt returns. So you can't get downfield to cover as quick. They're trying to increase punt returns. And less of a head start, which makes it less of a collision issue. Then about defenders over the gunners cannot cross the line of scrimmage until um, 
the ball is kicked. Well, again, it's, it's to create an advantage for the return team to increase that part of the game. That's the purpose of those rules. Um, and finally, Zach asks, what was your scouting evaluation of OB Melifano? Um Was he a bust or just overdrafted? Well, he's a little bit overdrafted. But the kid's 6'4", 225, and he could run. I mean, he wasn't drafted that high. Um, you know, um, he, to me, you know, he's had opportunities. Um, actually, I'm, if I'm thinking about it, second-round pick. He was a little overdrafted relative to the second. I don't know why in my mind I'm thinking he was like in the fourth, fifth round. No, he was a little bit overdrafted there. He's a um, a player that had a lot of potential physically, but he didn't grow up a whole lot around the game and instinctively wasn't all that good. I like giving guys like that a shot, not to give them a shot. I think it could pay off, but obviously the instincts and his ability to pick things up as quickly as you need to didn't, in fact, didn't, uh, wasn't good enough. I know when New England picked him up, the physical skill set suggested a lot of versatility. But his ability to pick things up quickly, experience instinctive qualities in the game wasn't all that good. But look, it happens. Just a little overdrafted. Um, I think that is right, being in the second round. Look, you always look at guys that, to me, later in the draft, you're getting somebody that, A, is really, really productive, but has got limited growth potential, meaning as a player. Or you got a guy that really hadn't done a whole lot, but, you know, he's got a lot of physical abilities and just has tremendous work ethic and intangibles. And you could, you know, get something out of him down the road. But, you know, you always have to look at what else is also available on the board and make that determination. And OB probably was a guy that I would have really liked somewhere in the fifth round. Uh, but with his skill set and his workout at the combine in particular, um, was going to be given a chance a little bit too hard. Too rich for my blood, but uh, that's what happens with guys like that at, uh, at times. So good questions there. Hey, folks, we're going to hold off. Time's running a little bit long. I'm going to get into some underrated draft prospects on uh, Monday show, and we'll kind of go forward there. Uh, again, a lot of questions today, so we wanted to get to those. We don't want to run too long. Keep this kind of quick. Uh, reminder, check out our great folks at 401k Generation. Give them a call or a text at 1-866-998-5879. Sign up for this podcast as well as our conference podcast uh, at Landry Football's Conference Call. So go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Sign up for Landry Football's Conference Calls. Conference Call. And uh, you'll get this podcast as well as our college one. Um, check out LandryFootball.com. For the detailed film room analysis, breakdowns, everything related to the NFL, free agency, draft, looking at players in the XFL, uh, looking at a lot of football for you all year round is what we do. Uh, no better place to be. So check us out. Our scouting season sales, the best one we've had. So take advantage of it today. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your little XFL. It's maybe not the NFL, but the NFL is for the fall. It'll give you a little something to look at, a little bit of scouting work, 
Enjoy the NFL, and certainly we'll keep you up to date on that and certainly up to date on all the latest in our notebooks, what's going on with uh, as we get closer to the league year, the combine's right around the corner. So a lot going on. Look for our free agent boards, our free agent scouting reports, our draft boards, our draft scouting reports. All of that's coming up on LandryFootball.com along with the recruiting breakdowns that we've had this past weekend as we wrapped up signing day. So a lot going on at LandryFootball.com. We want you to be part of the family. Check us out today. Have a great weekend. Talk to you Monday, everybody. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.